0: Agenda, A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right, we are back for another week of the Frittle Show. I am anticipating that some of you may not like some of the things I have to say today. And that's okay, because I'm not here to be liked, I'm here to be your mother, or something like that. No, just kidding, I'm not here to be your mother. I'm, nope, not at all. Um, but, you know, that's what I heard Growing up, when things happened that I didn't like, I'm not here to be liked. I'm here to make you obey. That is my job. And my parents, by the way, loved us exceptionally. Still do. And cared for us and provided for us. But they did things that I did not like. But it didn't matter that I didn't like them. They were good for me. So I'm hoping that today that you will just bear with me and give me some grace. Because I think a lot of the things that you might think I'm flying off the handle about... You will see, if you let me finish the thought without turning off the podcast, that you might actually agree, you just might not like the way that I say it or how I get to the conclusion that I get. But maybe together we can learn something. And if I say something that you're like, uh, yeah, no, about that one, you're, you're way off. Please let me know. Alright, I have a couple friends that do this. They listen to my podcast and they'll, they'll text me or they'll email me and they'll say, hey, you know what, this part right here, n- don't do that again. And that helps me, okay? Because, spoiler alert, I don't usually listen to my own podcasts. I did back in the day when I was first starting up and, and different things because it's a good way to learn and find out what your, your weaknesses are when you're creating a program and different things like that. But today, now, you know, like, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years into podcasting, I, I don't usually listen to my podcasts that often anymore. Sometimes I do. And and I, I actually specifically do on occasion to find out what I sound like and to, for self-improvement and that type of thing. But I don't listen to my podcast for... Okay, I'm not going to explain any more about this because we have too much to talk about today. <laughs> you understand. Send me your feedback. I want your feedback. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at The Frittle. Otherwise, don't send it. Whatever you want to do. But today, we're going to talk about so many things I didn't even know... I didn't even know how to title this thing. Even while I'm starting into it, I don't know what the title's going to be because I don't know where exactly this is going to end up. But I'm, I'm going to try to make some sense of some things that we've been seeing in our world that you've probably been seeing on social media and we've got masks or no masks church or no church biden and trump our world is a world with choices and voices conflict and chaos where do we turn what can we do who do we listen to how do we share truth is there even truth to be shared so many things to talk about and i want to answer these questions today because i have seen some things recently that have made me concerned about we as Christians and the way that we are interacting with the world in this time of a crisis. So I'm going to say a lot of things in the podcast today that are very Christian-specific. If you're not a Christian and you listen to this podcast, that is awesome. I love you. I'm so glad that you are here and that you let us be part of your day. But this podcast specifically today, and quite frankly, all of my podcasts are geared towards uh, Christians, but this one specifically today is uh, is specifically geared toward my Christian brothers and sisters because I want to discuss some things that I have seen many of my Christian friends uh, taking issue with or or posting about online, and so we're going to talk about things that that you may have seen or heard or or maybe you're talking about as well, right? And I want to start with Facebook censoring. Is Facebook censoring Christians? Yes, they are. Is Facebook censoring conservatives? Yes they are. Is Facebook censoring un or non-Christians? un No, not my brain. Yes, they are. Is Facebook censoring leftists? The answer again, you may have guessed it. Yes, they are. Is Facebook censoring you? They might be. And there are a lot of different reasons for this, and I'll, I'll get into that. And quite frankly, uh, Facebook is Mark Zuckerberg's, and Mark Zuckerberg can do whatever Mark Zuckerberg wants with Facebook because Facebook is his. You do not have the right to not have Facebook censor content. You simply don't. Facebook is not the press. So the government technically cannot interfere, but this is another podcast for a whole other time. But my personal take is that Facebook is a business. Facebook is owned by a company, and therefore Facebook has a right to to go ahead and censor whatever they want to censor. But one way to have Facebook not censor you is to do research before you share things. Now, I'm not saying that everything that you censor isn't accurate or that Facebook shouldn't, that should be censoring it. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that, though the censoring isn't always good or always accurate or unbiased, frankly, there are some cases where Christian conservatives are crying, FOUL, EVIL, FACEBOOK! And it's simply a matter of, guys, you're sharing stuff that just isn't true, and or that you just shouldn't be sharing. For example, and, and again, I please just stick with me. I, let me. Let me explain to you. Let me get through this one. This might be a long one. I don't know. But there was a video going around of the, the White Coat Summit, I think it was called. Uh, that happened in washington dc where a bunch of doctors talked about covid and how you know it can be cured we don't need to fear everything is fine no worries and so on and by and large i agreed personally with a lot of what they said and so a lot of people that would be on i guess if you want to say my side of the argument but a lot of you guys are way further than i am because i well i I still believe in 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 masks and i still believe in being cautious and i i think a lot of that i'm not gonna lie i think a lot of that is because i have known multiple personal friends that have had this and one of whom almost died and so i i tend to take more of a middle ground i think on the covid issue but a lot of my friends are far to the side of uh, covid is less than the flu which by the way it actually isn't factually you can no longer prove that okay but uh that that covid isn't even the flu covid shouldn't be destroying our lives i agree with these things by the way even though i think that covid is serious But so everybody, not everybody, a lot of people were sharing this video and they were focusing in on one doctor specifically. And as they shared this video, they're like, look, see what these doctors are saying, we need to listen to the doctors. Even as, you know, yesterday, the same people were decrying doctors who say the opposite about COVID. So just because a doctor says it doesn't make it true or not true. Remember that people that disagree with you have doctors that agree with them too. You can always find someone who will agree with you, and they can always find someone who will agree with them. But I digress. So, based on my own research and reading from both sides, I thought that what they shared in this summit, there was a lot of truth. And I believe that Facebook does suppress a lot of truth as well. But should we be sharing this video? Let's talk about this. And, and by the way, side note here. Because the video is about hydrochloroquine, uh, a lot of it is HCQ, whatever you want to call it and uh and the effectiveness of it or ineffectiveness of it and that's what a lot of people are, are sharing this video are focusing in on that element of it and here's the thing hydrochloroquine it works for a lot of people but it doesn't work for everybody all right drugs don't work 100 percent of the time for 100 percent of the people that's just not how drug work drugs work hydrochloroquine is a danger to some people but it's perfectly fine to other people i've taken i, I literally don't know how much but a lot Of hydrochloroquine myself personally in my life because I've been on four missions trips to Africa, the shortest of which was, I think, 16 days. So, however much hydrochloroquine I needed to take in those trips, that's how much hydrochloroquine I've taken as an anti malarial, and I didn't have any adverse effects from taking it. Okay, so I have personally interacted with this drug and personally had no problems with it. But, like I said a few minutes ago, I I had a friend who was hospitalized with COVID. He requested hydrochloroquine because of you know everything that he's seen on social media that this is the drug that will work and doctors are refusing to give it to you but it works and they gave it to him and it nearly killed him so to say that something is a cure-all or that something this works well it it might it yeah it works for some people, but you can't say that it that it's the answer necessarily and saying that it can work i've I've taken it I believe that it works for a lot of people there are studies that show that it works for a lot of people. There are also studies that show that it doesn't work for other people. Okay, and, and and saying that this is a cure-all and promoting this as this is the answer is different than saying this can work, this has promising potential. And by the way, Trump wasn't crazy for saying so. Okay, but those are two different statements. But beyond that, I, I don't want to get stuck on the hydrochloroquine debate today. What I want to talk about is that so many people I have seen that are promoting... Uh, not just this video, because there's a lot of doctors in this video, and a lot of them said really good things, and a lot of them are very credible, but there's one doctor in this video that is being held up right now, and promoted, and pushed forward, and people are finding other videos of her now, and uh, and putting her forward as kind of like the champion doctor, championing the, the Trump, HCQ, whatever you want to say, um, putting her forth as like the model doctor, and we need to listen to her, and she knows, because she's seen real disease because of her background and things like this, and uh, it's the woman from Nigeria and you know what I I don't I don't know her personally. I don't know what has gone on in her past, in her life. I honestly I agree with a lot of what she says about HCQ. And in this case I, I personally believe, based on my research, that she's speaking truth in a lot of ways. However, however People are seeing this video getting censored pretty regularly. People are are seeing other people go nuts commenting on this video. So I just want to break down for you a couple things you need to understand, okay? Maybe, maybe we should consider that perhaps why some people aren't taking this video seriously is because she is included in it. Maybe the reason that Facebook is censoring some of these videos is because she is included in them. Although then Facebook is also allowing other videos of her to, to stand, so I don't get that. But... What you need to understand, guys, is that, that this doctor... I'm not even going to mention her name, because if you don't know who she is, I don't want you to, to go and find out who she is, because this is not someone that we should be sharing. That's the bottom line here, on her own website. And I, I'm leaving out a lot of stuff, because this is a family program, okay? And this is not based on people trying to go after her and attack her because she has sided with Donald Trump. No, this is, these are things that this woman has has said and has taught... She is uh, she is she's apparently a pastor. She has a myriad of YouTube videos. She had a website. I don't think it's live right now because I couldn't find it, but you know the internet is forever, and so her website is archived, so you can go through and you can find a lot of this, and you can find uh, comments and her interacting with people in the comments, and just a lot of weird stuff going on. Again, I, I can't really explain it to you in a family-friendly way, a lot of it, so I'm just going to give you some of the very basic okay so this woman claims that medical issues like endometriosis and cysts and infertility and uh, and other issues um, again I I can't even list them all because I am trying to find a word that would not be the words that are being used but I I can't find them Um, but that 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 issues related to uh, marriage will say that they are caused by physical relations between humans and spirit husbands or spirit wives uh, a phenomenon essentially where you have witches or demons engaging in marital relations with humans in a dreamlike state or in a dream world and on top of that she claims that 70% of churchgoers are engaging in these type of relationships whether they know it or not and it's just happening in their dreams and that is what is causing uh, many of these issues that we would see both in men and women. Okay, she's also said that alien DNA is being used in modern medicine, that aliens are involved in, in governing our country, that she has personally engaged with half-human, half-ET type beings, and lots more crazy stuff. Again, I'm leaving out a lot of this because it's just too graphic for me to include in the program, but just trust me when I say, and you can go and research it if you want, but this lady is, is not probably someone we should be holding up as an authority on anything. That doesn't necessarily mean that she is wrong when she talks about HCQ. Okay? And, by the way, I'm not a fan of social media censorship. I, I do believe in using your social platforms to share truth in love, by the way. But look, if if you're sharing information that is coming from extremely questionable sources and or borderline conspiracy theorists, if not outright conspiracy people, uh, and, and these individuals have made exceptionally irresponsible comments and, and teachings in the past, again, even if the other doctors there weren't crazy, and a lot of them weren't, a lot of these doctors were saying the same things as this woman, um, but they're not the ones being shared. Like, look them up and share them. But sharing this woman is like saying, oh, well, I posted this video of of all these great uh, pastors and 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 teachers talking about uh, marriage and ways to improve your marriage and what marriage should be like, and you know one of them is Joseph Smith, and uh, and I'm gonna put his content up here front and center for you, and um, yeah, I know he talks about some other things that are kind of weird, but but this one is really good, you guys, and I really agree with this one, so let's just focus on this one and pretend that nothing of this other stuff exists and oh by the way there's a lot of other good pastors so you should listen to them too because they were there too just joseph smith happened to be one of them it's no big deal also what he's saying in this in this context is right okay why 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 would you do that you wouldn't do that because there are other people that you can uh share if you want to to help people have a better marriage there, there are other teachings that you can share that wouldn't include that. Not that what he might say there wasn't good and true, despite everything else him saying not being good and true. I'm not saying that it is, but this is just a hypothetical example, okay? You wouldn't share it because of all the other garbage. That is kind of the same thing with this video, all right? Whether or not you believe Facebook should be censoring it or not censoring it, what you need to understand is, should I be sharing this? Or is there a better way for me to communicate what I believe is truth? And is it possible that Facebook is censoring out the non-crazy people so that it appears that only crazy people believe certain things? Of course it is. This is Mark Zuckerberg's playground, for crying out loud. And And I mentioned that before. And quite frankly, he can do whatever he wants here. I can't control what Zuckerberg does with Facebook, but I can control what I does with Facebook. So please, guys, just do your research before you post. And by the way, I, this one, again, I'm not going to be super popular here, but I believe that you should read articles from both sides before you form a conclusion. Unless, unless you have to read heresy to do it. I don't, I don't, I don't go up to a, a... Okay, I'm not even going to go there, but I, I'm not talking about like, spiritual issues necessarily. What I'm talking about is hydrochloroquine. Okay? Although we could apply this spiritually. In fact, I I will in just a second. But uh, when you're looking up stuff about hydrochloroquine, are you Googling proof that hydrochloroquine works? Or are you Googling proof that hydrochloroquine doesn't work? Or are you Googling both? Because generally... We treat Google like we treat our Bibles. We go there to find support for the conclusion that we've already made rather than letting the data or the source speak for itself. And I firmly believe that most issues we Americans bicker over today, a large part of our bickering would be eliminated if we would just take the time to consider both sides of a, con- of a conversation before we draw a conclusion and then just go to try and find sources to support the conclusion we've already drawn. So how do we, actually, you know what, let me just say this too, okay? For everybody bashing Facebook, here's something you need to understand. Facebook actually tailors your timeline so that they will, you will see things that it thinks you want to see, because that's how they get you to keep coming back. That's how they keep selling ads, so they keep making money off of you. And whether you love masks and think that you'll they'll save your grandma's life, or you hate masks because they're damaging your immune system, Facebook will figure out which side of an argument you're on, and they will show you what you want to see. That is just the way that social media works. Now, it's a little different now with their whole uh, censoring thing, but as a general rule, that still comes into play. And bear with me now, this may shock some of you, but sharing your opinion about masks may not actually change another person's mind because also, Facebook may not show your opinion about masks to the person that disagrees with you in their opinion about masks. So how do we share truth in a world where we can all find someone who will say what we want to hear said, and we're conditioned to also only see things that we agree with? What then is the point? Should we even bother sharing our thoughts or the truth if nobody's going to care? Do we just say nothing? Yes and no. Sometimes it is better to just say nothing. Other times it is crucial and critical that you speak truth. Just consider the words that you type before you type them. Masks, church, vaccines, whatever it is, think through what you're about to communicate before you communicate it. This is, you you have the benefit when you're putting something online. There's no, no excuse of, oh I was just talking and it came out. No, no. If you are typing it out, you have the chance to read it, to think about it, to consider it, to pray about whether you should post that thing before you hit the send. And by the way, before we get into the church issue, because that's where I really want to go with this, uh, since this is specifically directed towards Christians today, I want to say something to Christians about masks as well. All right, here's my take on a mask. If a business I frequent, and I'm not going to go long on this because I've said this before multiple times on this program, but if a business I want to frequent requests that I wear, or mandates that I wear a mask to frequent it, then I wear the mask. And I don't post online that my rights were infringed upon because said business made me wear a mask. Do I think that my rights were infringed upon? Do I want to wear a mask? Those are other questions entirely. So... Why, though, then? Am I okay with this? Because I want the baker to be able to refuse service as well. I want the photographer to be able to refuse service as well. And I want to be able to maintain my belief without hypocrisy that a business has a right to determine how their business will be run. Same goes for Facebook. And that's the choice that I have made. For me, based on the research I have done, I do not think the mask will kill me if I wear it into the store or on an airplane. I also do not think that the mask will save me if I wear it into the store or on an airplane. I really don't think that the mask is going to affect my personal health that strongly in one direction or another. It may protect someone else from my germs... It may not. But either way, to me, those issues are not as important or as worth arguing or posting about as the right of a business to refuse service overall. I am choosing my battles and positioning myself in such a way that I am in a better place to speak when the Christian's right to refuse service is questioned again in the future. Because that is a right we have as Americans based on our religious freedoms, and that is a a, a right I am willing to fight for. I am not willing to win the battle of the masks and thereby lose the war for religious freedom that the baker has been fighting for years. And I understand that they're not exactly the same, and I understand that they're not even exactly legally the same, but when it comes to trying to explain to the average American my beliefs, it will be a lot easier for me to present the baker situation if I also wore the mask. Alright, again, I'm not willing to win the battle of the masks and thereby lose the war for religious freedom in the conversation that I'll be having in the future. And that segues then into the church. Okay, Whether or not church is essential and whether or not churches have the right to meet. This has become a a much more common topic lately. And again, with this topic, I'm going to say some things right off the bat that might make you cringe, shudder, question my salvation. I don't know, but I'm asking you to hear me out on this one and just, again, give me a chance to finish the thought before you turn it off, okay? Okay, here we go. What makes church essential? In order to define what makes church essential, you must first define church. In order to define church, you must be able to distinguish the differences in the universal church and in local churches. And if you are then talking about local churches, you now have to explain why some local churches are not essential and others are. Why is it that Andy Stanley will shut down his church seemingly indefinitely, and John MacArthur will stand in defiance to his governor? Why is it that the Chinese meet in house churches, but we think that keeping a building open at a certain capacity is the equivalent of religious freedom? And when our founders wrote the Constitution, did they believe that there was ever a case in which a church could be shut down and if a church should not be able to be closed if a church should not be subject to government interference or government spying of any kind then should a mosque have the same consideration these are all valid questions and arguments that will be brought up and you need to have thought through and be willing to discuss if you open the door of church being essential why do you say that why do you believe that most Christian will answer this most Christians excuse me will answer this with well the Bible says the church is essential good good answer now Where does the Bible say that? Well, it says that we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. Okay, so based on the Bible verse that you just told me, we are supposed to assemble together. What does that mean? The Bible doesn't say, thou shaltest meetest Sunday morning, thou shaltest meetest Sunday night, and thou shaltest meetest Wednesday night for Bible study. The Bible doesn't even say that we need a church building to meet in. Even if we use the examples of Acts, the believers were meeting together, but they were meeting from house to house, (coughs) <coughs> excuse me, for fellowship and for breaking for, of bread and prayer? Do you need to go to church to eat or fellowship or pray? And many Christians won't even think to answer this question with the example of Jesus, Or in Luke it says it is his custom to go to church, except that what it actually, Luke says, is that it was Jesus' custom to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, which was Saturday. So is church on Sunday with an unlimited number of people, or 50% of people, essential? Or take it a step further, is singing in church actually essential? Where does the Bible say, if you're going to go to church, thou shaltest mustest singeth, or thine church's service does not completeth? Granted, I'm 100% playing the devil's advocate here, but I'm trying to get you to think about why you do what you do, why you believe what you believe, because if you don't even know why you do what you do, try explaining it to someone else, and it won't work. And even if it did work, here's your problem. A lot of times what we are trying to do as Christians is we are trying to give biblical answers to a secular audience and our answers then fall on deaf ears. As Christians, we have our own language and we don't even realize it. And when we talk about going to church, we have a mental picture of what that is. And that picture is based on our personal experiences coupled with our biblical understanding. And when you talk to the unsaved or the unchurched, they also have a mental picture of what going to church is that is based on their personal experiences coupled with their lack of biblical understanding. So how then, when it is hard enough to persuade Christians that going to church is essential and that they could go to church despite COVID, how then, if we can't convince Christians of this, can we expect unsaved, biblically illiterate politicians to think that church is essential? How do you make the argument that church is necessary to someone who's never felt the need for church in their entire life? You be like Paul. You speak in a language that they should, or at the very least, that they can understand. Here's the thing. Oftentimes we as Christians walk around through modern America like Peter expecting Peter results when we should be walking around like Paul expecting Paul results because we don't live in a Peter world, we live in a Paul world. What do I mean by that? Peter preached and thousands were saved. Paul preached and handfuls were saved. Peter was preaching in Jerusalem to Jews in the story that that is commonly used as, as the example of evangelism. Thousands are saved. But Peter was preaching to churched people, if you will. Paul was going to Gentiles, to unchurched people, which is interesting that God took the most Jewish of Jews not to reach the Jews but the Gentiles. Why would he do that? But that's another topic for another time. Peter's audience spoke the language that he was speaking, at least metaphorically. Uh, they knew the Bible. They were familiar with his Jewish ease, if you will. Paul's audience didn't have that background or that understanding. So when Paul goes in, he says, hey, you guys, right here, this altar right here, the one that you built, your altar, this altar, the one to your unknown God, let me tell you about that guy. He took something they were familiar with, though they were still uneducated and uninformed. He started where they were at. And when we go to have the church's essential conversation, we need to start with where our nation, where our audience is at, where our culture uh, can understand. And I would argue that the majority of this country, including many Christians, cannot explain to you biblically why church is essential, and then the Christians that are arguing from a biblical perspective why church is essential are speaking to an audience that has no idea what they're talking about. So we cannot, in our current culture, attempt to persuade those that have never had a des- need seen a need in their life for church ever that church is essential simply by going about it in a biblical uh, saying this is what the bible says church is essential this i know for the bible tells me so sounds great but it will not work in the audience that we are trying to convince it, in fact it's even true but it still won't work in the audience we're trying to convince. The Supreme Court uh, decided that, I'm sure you saw it, it was a Calvary Chapel versus Governor Sisolak. And uh, the court ruled in favor of the governor. <coughs> that churches could not, uh, could not be equal to uh, casinos or, or other places that could have a 50% capacity rather than a 50 person capacity. And so churches were essentially told in the state of Nevada that you, may, you must still adhere to the governor's edict, if you will, of 50 people versus what others are being given of the 50%. Justice Gorsuch, in his dissent, was brief but powerful. He wrote this. He said, this is a simple case. Under the governor's edict, a 10-screen multiplex may host 500 moviegoers at any time. A casino, too, may cater to hundreds at once, with perhaps six people huddled at each craps table here and a similar number gathered around every roulette wheel there. Large numbers and close quarters are fine in such places. But churches, synagogues, and mosques are banned from admitting more than 50 worshipers, no matter how large the building, how distant the individuals, how many wear face masks, no matter the precautions at all. In Nevada, it seems it is better to be in entertainment than religion. Maybe that is nothing new. But the First Amendment prohibits such obvious discrimination against the exercise of religion. The world we inhabit today with a pandemic upon us poses unusual challenges, but there is no world in which the Constitution permits Nevada to favor Caesar's palace over Calvary Chapel. The key to this conversation is written in his dissent. And the reason I believe that this case went the way it was is because this case was not presented as a First Amendment conversation because we made the wrong argument and I fear that we as Christians are guilty of doing this over and over and over again on our social media pages whether it be about masks or vaccines or church being essential but in our case for for church being essential specifically we're making a wrong argument this case was presented to the Supreme Court as a case based solely on discrimination but that's the wrong case to make At its core, this case is not about discrimination, but about the First Amendment. That is the case. And that is the case you have to make to someone about why church is essential. That is the conversation. That is where you reach the common ground. You cannot try to convince someone that doesn't read the Bible. Now get this now. I didn't say saved or unsaved. I said someone who doesn't read the Bible. Saved or unsaved don't try to convince someone that doesn't read their Bible that church is essential because the Bible tells us so. If they're not reading their Bible, they don't care what the Bible says. That's a convicting thought now, isn't it? And you might say, well, then they uh, they won't care what the Constitution says either because they don't study that. Well, true, but the difference is they don't have a choice when it comes to the Constitution. The Bible they are free to give or take as they please, but the Constitution governs their life whether they like it or not. And the First Amendment of the Constitution states that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. No prohibition on the free exercise of religion. That is what our country's governing document states in the very same amendment that states we are free to peacefully assemble to protest. Get this, get this, get this. If the right of people peaceably to assemble is equivalent with the right of people peaceably to protest, and protesting is not considered a public health threat, and it is governed by the same amendment as the freedom to exercise religion, now church is essential. From a secular standpoint without using the Bible tells me so, church just became essential because of the First Amendment, because of the protesting. The First Amendment is what tells us that if we have the right to assemble to protest, we have the right to assemble for church. So you should be shouting from the rooftops your support for peaceful protesters to assemble despite COVID because that is the very argument, the very amendment, that makes church essential despite COVID. Does that make sense? Because that is the conversation you can have. That is starting where your audience is at. Don't try to explain why the early church was meeting on Saturday and Sunday and the history of the Reformation and why now today we have church buildings and gathered just on Sunday and if you're speaking to someone who has no biblical foundation, none of this makes any sense. Most Christians don't even know the history of it, okay? So it won't work. That's not where you start the conversation with a secular audience. You start where the culture is at. You start by saying, I am so glad that our Constitution gives us the right to peacefully protest, and I fully support those who are peacefully protesting. I believe that protesting is essential because the First Amendment says so, even if they're not wearing masks. And that's why I believe church is essential, because right before it talks about protesting, it talks about our right to gather for religious purposes. That is where you can stand and make an argument for church being essential to a secular world. James Madison wrote in the Virginia Declarations of Rights of 1776 that religion, or the duty which we owe to our Creator and the manner of discharging it, can be directed only by reason and conviction, not by force or violence, and therefore all men are equally entitled to the free exercise of religion, according to the dictates of conscience, and that it is the mutual duty of all to practice Christian forbearance, love, and charity towards each other. George Washington said, The liberty enjoyed by the people of these states of worshiping Almighty God agreeable to their consciences is not only among the choicest of their blessings, but also of their rights. Our founders believed that we had freedom of religion and freedom to assemble as conscience dictates. Now, some people's conscience will dictate that they're not able to come back to church yet for health reasons. Other people say, My conscience says that my practicing of my religion will completely allow me to go to church this week, and I don't even need to wear a mask to do it. And based on our founding fathers, and based on our First Amendment, and based on the protests happening right now, we have the right to then gather and do that. Instead, today, though, we see Edmund Burke's words coming true. Edmund Burke wrote this. He said, Religious persecution may shield itself under the guise of a mistaken and overzealous piety. Now, he's an interesting character to study, and I'll I'll let you do that on your own, because I'm trying to wind things down here. And I I think that what he was referring to, uh, I believe scholars and historians would agree that he was not referring to uh, COVID. In fact, I don't think they'd ever heard of the word. I believe in his instance, he was thinking more along the lines of of Christians and other faiths being persecuted by those who would think they were doing the persecution uh, in a, in a, out of their piety. So, for example, Saul persecuting the early church, he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was doing what God wanted him to do. But there was a persecution happening based on what he felt was his piety. So I think that's what Edmund Burke was saying here uh, in context. But I believe it does apply to our current situation. That you could say, and I think we can say, That in America today, in places like California and Nevada, that we see religious persecution shielding itself under the guise of a mistaken and overzealous piety, but that piety is for the public health and welfare. And I would argue, based on the research that I have done, that perhaps this piety is overzealous. Perhaps the piety can be mistaken. Now, yes, I I fully support, again, I, I wear the mask. I believe that you should stay home if you, have, uh, if you, have, uh, if you are high risk. I don't, I don't think that you should probably go to Walmart if you are at a high risk for COVID right now. But I also think that we should not live our lives in fear. And I think that when we're going to share our thoughts and opinions and share more specifically truth, because that's what needs to be shared... More so than my thoughts or my opinions, it is truth. Then we need to present our truth in such a way that it can be heard. First, it needs to be presented in love. And secondly, it needs to be presented in a language that the audience will understand. And as Christians, we cannot simply think that we can present a Peter message to a Paul world and then wonder why no one gets what we're saying. We cannot share videos and articles from individuals who are questionable at best and then be shocked when these things are censored, or or people react to our sharing of them. But then we also must not allow ourselves to obey man rather than God. And it is biblically correct that church is essential. And as Christians, we need to understand that it is biblically correct, regardless of the First Amendment. Even if the First Amendment did not exist, it would still be biblically correct for us to gather together, and church would still be essential for us. And quite frankly, not only for us, but for our society as a whole. Because our society was created solely for a moral and religious people. Our founders believed that. And I want to finish today with this quote from our first president, George Washington. leave you with this to think about, and then we'll be done. President Washington wrote, Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism, who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, these firmest props of the duties of man and citizens. The mere politician equally with the pious man ought to respect and to cherish them. A volume could not trace all their connections with private and public felicity. Let it simply be asked, where is the security for property, for reputation, for life, if the sense of religious obligation desert the oaths which are the instruments of investigation in courts of justice? And let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of peculiar structure, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. It is substantially true that virtue or morality is a necessary spring of popular government. The rule, indeed, extends with more or less force to every species of free government who, that is a sincere friend to it, can look with indifference upon the attempts to shake the foundation of that fabric. Our nation was founded on biblical principles, and our nation only survives as long as those biblical principles remain at her foundation. And that's all the time that I have left for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have thoughts, questions, concerns, if you think that I am a heretic, you can send me that too. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I accept hate mail and fan mail. All the mail. I take all the mail. Especially if you send gift cards. Just don't send me seeds from China because just don't. All right? But I'm at The Frittle, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks so much for being with us today. If you're here in Las Vegas, we'd love to have you join us for church, which is essential this Sunday. We have three English services Sunday morning at 8 o'clock at uh, 945 and at 1130. We also have a Spanish service at 115. Our address, 6501 West Mead Boulevard. Hope to see you then.